0: we're backstage. Adam's here. What's up? Jared's here. What's up? (laughs) What's up, Adam? You know, man, it's a good day. I'm I'm excited. It is a good day. Any day we can record a backstage is a good day. I was just looking back. Yeah, we haven't done this since October of last year. That's right. It's April of this year. We're either having fun or
1: time flies. One of the two. What about both? I, I say you don't have to choose either or it could be both. Uh oh. Got a phone call coming. Hang on. It's it's
0: gone. They're gone now. DND, come on. Do not disturb mode. Well, we're recording backstage. We're not recording a clubhouse. Hmm. That's true. Or a Twitter space. That's right. There's no spaces. I wonder what you think about that. It's and this just, is not uh, my topic for the day. Oh, this isn't. This is just. This is the. This is the pre-topic I just thought of. Nice because this would be like a normal place to do like a clubhouse, wouldn't it?
1: I think so. I mean, I think yeah, definitely. I think uh, clubhouse or at least the concept of clubhouse is well suited for a backstage. It's. But you know, having been you know podcasters for a very long time, we have a saying called "always be recording." Right, and so that kind of goes against the grain of clubhouse and or spaces. I like the concept but the the idea of the conversation just going into the wind and not being able to be edited and produced and and distributed mm-hmm. kind of goes against everything a podcaster stands for i think
0: but as yeah, a listener it's as cool. a listener i've tried to like it i actually don't but i've really give it the honest go yeah because i just love podcasts and maybe that makes me just a curmudgeon or an old school person but on demand, listen it faster, right? Skip back, skip forward, pause it. Know that the person probably put some production into it and like deleted out the really off-topic bad parts. Just to me, that's like worth its waiting gold as a listener. Mm-hmm. I get that there's serendipity and there's a an, there. It's cool to get like big names on the same room that you wouldn't normally get together on a podcast. I I think that's novel and interesting but it hasn't kept me listening i've been on clubhouse for a little while i've listened some and ultimately i've been disappointed by the conversations and i've turned off notifications and i haven't thought about it since but i do know that lots of our listeners or some of our listeners i should say lots have asked us about clubhouse mm-hmm. what are we gonna do there yeah and we've been told by a dear friend that we've got to be on clubhouse yeah it's the next big thing it is like get on or get out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, here we are just uh, talking to our microphones in a private <laughs> conversation and we're going to record it and, and we're going to put it onto a podcast feed.
1: Yeah, You know, I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, it's one part where, you know, things and paradigms come up and it is the way of the future to to some degree but I, I don't think the way it exactly is now is the way of the future. I think I'm with you at first I was excited about it and what got me really excited about clubhouse or the idea of it was whenever I was uh, you know, I, I don't know how I actually found out about the room, but I'd followed a couple of people and next thing I'm getting DMS and, and uh, notification all the time about different things happening and Kim.com mm-hmm came on and shared a lot of his story. And for those who don't know Kim.com, there was a, uh, what was his kind of main thing? It was uh mega upload, I believe is what it was. And a lot of the, you know, copyright infringement issues and mm-hmm. just a big, big ordeal. Was he
0: Silk Road or no? No,
1: happen. he wasn't Silk Road, but it was, okay. you, know, you know, maybe there was probably some things on mega upload because you can't control what people upload and download from, you know, these essential you know, public discs to, to store files on. It was very early days of like file sharing. And all I know is like Kim.com is sort of infamous in terms of like one being, uh, a bigger than life kind of person in terms of like his size as a person. He's always just been a big guy, big guy, he's got a big attitude in a a, a good way, a very big personality. And then to be audacious to do the kind of things he does. And I mean, like, Million dollar homes, like very extravagant things. And I think now he's sort of like settled down to some degree, wife, family, and has sort of like, uh, you know, calmed down to some degree, like than his earlier version. But like he'd done some crazy stuff, which is, and there's some crazy stories about him. But I was mm-hmm. like, I've never heard Kim.com's story on a podcast, but I heard it on Clubhouse. And so I was sold on the idea then until it wore off, similar to probably what your, your aspect is. Mm-hmm. The other thing that got me was, was I'm a big Dead Mouse fan, and uh, I was like, "Whoa!" I'm literally in a room listening to, I think his name's Joel, the 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 real person that be, that's behind the the brand Dead Mouse and the the actual creator. Uh, I could be wrong, so correct me, listeners. But uh, I'm like, I'm I'm literally in a room listening to Dead Mouse speak live into his phone and right. say words. I was just like, like that, similar to like maybe early days with Twitter. Like I'm literally. Tweeting with, you know, XYZ personality. Yeah. And so that idea was cool, but I think the diamond in the rough aspect of finding the signal and the noise of Clubhouse is something I don't have the patience for.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting is because it was such a simple thing to do, it's being cloned so quickly. Yeah. That they haven't had that much time to establish themselves as the network, you know, because Twitter already has their clone out and Facebook is doing one and Discord added Clubhouse style features and now Spotify is adding Clubhouse style features. And it's like this format is gonna exist on like all these different social networks that are already bigger. And because they were building their social network basically off of your Twitter social network, you know, Mm -hmm. and still using that for coordination, to kind of bootstrap that. You wonder I mean they're probably trying to get bought at this point is my guess, but I just wonder how much is Clubhouse going to be the platform versus like this new in sync ad hoc hop you know, group conversation audio only is actually the thing that's going to persist and maybe Clubhouse is just one of those players. Who knows? Who knows what's going to go down there, but I just thought uh, I'd bring it up because we did, we did talk about doing some stuff on Clubhouse. And one of the obvious things is like, well, we could come on backstage on Clubhouse. But it's like, then you're just doing your podcast on Clubhouse and that's not really the point. Like, well, we could have people involved, but then we have to use their audio and it's like, how do we, yeah, how do we do? I know there are some people who like recorded their podcasts on Clubhouse and just put that out as a podcast. But now you're using phone audio, you're dealing with all of the, you know, invite, the, the, the conversational logistics of who's on stage, who's this person, here they mm-hmm. are, oh, they sidetracked the conversation. And now, anyways, it just seems like maybe not the best use of our time. Yeah. And I, we
1: have I a think limited time. Everything happens on Clubhouse is like very specific to being on the platform. Not that the ideas shared and or conversations that are had can't be segmented and compartmentalized and extracted to, say, a podcast, for example. Not that it doesn't fit, but the the nature of like having a stage and having moderators and inviting somebody up to it and knowing even who's speaking because like even that's difficult. Like just the avatars seem to be randomly placed in the speaker lineup and the circle you know, is around the person who's speaking. And it's even hard to find out who if if there's like, you know, several people on the stage, for example. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, but it's definitely not, in my opinion, a replacement of podcasting. I think it's a segment of people who might enjoy, you know, listening to essentially audio conversations, but don't which aren't necessarily podcasts, but they fit the podcast format. It can be an alternative way to enjoy Something like him dot com, for example, you probably wouldn't see him on a podcast because he's more of a larger than life kind of person, more drawn to say a clubhouse scenario than say a podcast yeah. episode. It could be very useful networking. for
0: people who are influencers or leaders in order to like rally their audience quickly around a subject. Yeah, you know, it mm-hmm. reminds me of a couple of years ago now when there was that remember that thing where everybody was going to go to Area Fifty Four. Or whatever it was. What's the New Mexico place where it's. I believe uh, it's aliens? I think you're
1: thinking about the Club 54
0: and no, you're no, no, confusing no. with Area that's, 51. That's Studio 54. Studio
1: 54. <laughs> yeah. Area
0: 51 and the Studio Yeah. 54. Area 51. Yeah, yeah. So I'm mixing my. My geographies together. So there was like this whole, like, and it had to do with Joe Rogan's podcast when he had Bob Lazar on, and it That's was right, about yeah. Area 51, and there became this movement, right, which was supposed to be a movement, ended up being kind of a, a nothing burger where everybody was going to like, it's called like Rush 51, or I don't know what it was called. Anyways, I don't think Joe Rogan tried to get that thing going, but if he wanted to, like if that was his deal, it seems like you could very quickly rally your audience around a topic or a thing we're going to do and use Clubhouse, you know, and that live, like, Hey, get it on my phone. Oh man, uh, Kim.com wants us all to upload our files at the same time or whatever this, <laughs> you know, some sort of like synchronized action. Yeah, could be cool for that, but yeah, it's not, it's not something I'm. Really yeah, I think
1: doing. so. I mean, I think I look at somebody like Sahil, for example, Lavingia uh, from Gumroad and some of the things he's doing around, education round unique funding are you familiar with the recent round they had done around Gumroad? road and there was like i am they raised five million
0: dollars overnight on re- on a new platform called republic yeah yeah because of some change in sec rules around how you raise money seems like it's it's made it easier to do that kind of a thing which was interesting
1: right you can give 500 bucks as an individual or you can do there was like a million i believe was institutional backers And the other four was from just everyday folks, fans, so to speak. Five hundred. I love that model. Yeah.
0: Because I see startups all the time, and a lot of them, so do you, where we're like, well, this one's not going to make it. But we see other ones are like, I'm skeptical of that one. But there's other ones where you're like, you know what? I would love to have a part of that, but I just know that I'm not going to go work there to get my equity, and I'm not... uh, financially in a place where I'm going to be like an early, an angel round, or even yeah. an early round. Yeah. I don't have that kind of money to invest, but I, if I could get in a little bit, I sure would. Cause I think this one's going somewhere, you know? Yeah. And we don't have that opportunity. as just an individual. Um, mm-hmm. so we miss out a lot of times on things that we see, which is just no fun, but yeah, something like this, you can throw 500 bucks or a thousand bucks into some startup where, okay, small you know, you're, 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 you're sowing little, so you're going to reap little, but still you get to be a part of it. Yeah. And you get to see the upside as that thing grows because of your vision. So I love the fact that you can get kind of regular old, what, what people who normally have to wait for IPOs when most of the gains have already happened. Maybe not most, but you know, the big run-ups already happened in order to invest in companies that they think can make it. I think, I think that's pretty cool. I'll definitely be. I didn't participate in the Gumroad IPO or not yeah. IPO. What's it called? The offering, the Republic. I, I don't even know if it's an offering. I think it's just a raise, some sort of raising, you know, some sort of. Well, they're offering a round. chance to invest. Yeah, something. Yeah, it's not a public offering, but it's like a. It's kind of like Kickstarter. It, actually, the way that this platform works, I did check it out. It is a lot like Kickstarter because there's there's tiers, like you said, five hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever it is. And they give you different benefits for getting in bigger, you know. So it's it's built that way, it's specifically this platform that they used. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll get your Gumroad t-shirt. And then if you go in bigger, you'll get, I don't know, a hoodie. And if you go in even bigger, you'll get like a, a plaque you can put on your wall. I don't know. Whatever they decide <laughs> those things are. Here's the downside of this, though.
1: And this is the, I think, the point I'm trying to make with my uh, angst against clubhouse and the and the and the format i suppose and even spaces is that so sahil is really you know an early adopter and educator he's not the only one doing it but this idea of rolling funds for example i think rolling funds is essentially where you can subscribe to a fund and you can give x dollars and this fund gives money out I, i'm paraphrasing terribly probably mm-hmm. but the point is like he's educating say everyday normal folks would, would normally potentially be on a podcast or a blog series or you know whatever a, a youtube channel uh, a tiktok channel if that if it even goes there but you know so all these conversations are happening from what i understand in clubhouse that doesn't get recorded so i can't go back into the treasure trove of of you know Sai hills he's got some good documentation out there but you really have to like follow Synchronously, not asynchronously. Like it's not it doesn't seem to favor well for someone who has no time to follow that closely to kind of go back in, dip my toe in as the information makes sense for me to dig into it. Like maybe a YouTube channel might be. You know, if I'm trying to learn how to, you know, low and slow some chicken breasts, for example, I can hop on YouTube and find that stuff. I don't have to follow the Sahil drip, you know what I mean? So right. that's the problem. And I be available
0: when he's available. Exactly. On, yeah, on the, demand, you know, exactly. And that's the, it's, that's it's probably awesome a feature that, flip away though, isn't it? Like record this clubhouse session is probably, I mean, you know, they're recording the audio. Yeah. I would so imagine like, you if you think got that's a, just like a toggle, you know, similar if to you've Zoom. Got an
1: iPhone, it, but the majority of the conversation is, is doesn't necessarily have to be high quality. Um, but I think most of what I heard was listenable, I would say. You know, right. What we optimize for is listenable. So I think, yeah, it's a feature flip away. If you can enable the serendipity and enable the ability to record and pull out, you know, have the real-time, similar to the way we do with JS Party or GoTime, having live shows, mm-hmm. still record that, and a produced artifact is rendered from that session. I love the concept. I, I really hope totally. that evolves. And in that case...
0: You know, it might be more in line with the way of the
1: future. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a lot like talk radio in that way. You know, you're driving down your car, you flip on the people, they're talking. You're half paying yeah. attention, you're half not. Maybe you catch something interesting. Maybe it's you know, maybe you're just flipping stations, and you're just kind of filling that dead air. But I feel like podcasts are such a better form of that because you can like dive into a specific niche, hear only about the thing that you care about. You're low and. Low and slow? What do you call it? Low and slow. Yeah, it's low temperatures, slow cooks. You can find your tribe of like low and slow folks who just talk about that one thing and they'll actually just like crank up their signal, reduce their noise and build up a cue in your phone that you can listen to whenever you have a moment and don't have to listen to it when it's happening and then feel like you're going to miss it. But hey, there's different forms of audio for different people and even different times. Like sometimes in the middle of the night, I can't sleep. Uh, I'll wake up at like 3 a.m. and I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like listening to a podcast right now for whatever reason. Some of mine are like very technical, you know, I'll listen to our own shows and I'm like, ah, it just feels like heavy. I just want something stupid right now. And maybe I'm all out of my comedy podcasts. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just throw on Clubhouse and just listen to whatever they're talking about. I don't even care. I don't usually do it, but I could see where there's a time for that in a place. Yeah. Anyways, not the topic. That's not the topic. mm Here's what I was going to talk to you about today. Should we turn off comments on our website?
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, I would say what probes you to consider this? Well, I've been thinking about it for a little bit. And I should say that we turned on comments kind of counterculturally because there was this whole like no comments movement that happened. And it's been years now where yeah, it's like, ago. talk about this on Twitter, you know, or on Hacker News or et cetera. Comment elsewhere, which is I probably led by bloggers like John Gruber and Marco Arment and those who are writing on their sites. And there's just no comments there. And I think John Gruber even had comments early on and turned them off. Anyway, there's a whole no comment. movement. Well, we came way after that and said, you know what, comments. And we implemented ourselves. It wasn't like a discuss board. It was delayed though. It was very delayed. It wasn't at the end. We didn't. We
1: had the feature of like, you know, the news feed out there. And so the feature of comments was
0: delayed in terms of like. So it wasn't uh it wasn't just like, hey, everybody has comments, let's do comments. We thought about it. We decided to do comments. Okay. Um here we are. How long has it been since we added comments to our website? Probably four years. Three, years. Four years? I was going to guess two years. Three years probably is right then.
1: Three years. I would say three years.
0: It was a year after we
1: launched the new site, which is in place now with a the year news later feed as being the,
0: the, the front driver on the, on the front page. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So I guess, first of all, it's worth talking about like what our goals are with that feature. You know, what mm. were we trying to do? Because whenever you're like, well, should I undo this thing? It's like, because it's not fulfilling the goal, perhaps, or mm-hmm. the, amount of, the amount of investment that you're continuing to invest outweighs the value that it's providing. And of course, you give everything time, right? So we gave us some time. We knew it would be a kind of a slow burn. And I feel like at this point, for me, mentally, overhead... It's more of a cost than a value. And I also look down the road at what even success looks like. I know we had this conversation. And I think even more so today than ever before, it seems like success will bring more pain. So what were our goals around comments? Well, of course, we wanted to foster conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Most of our content is not our content. So even in that case, we are pointing, you know, we're pointers in in, in many ways. Right, the podcast episodes, of course, we're, those are ours in terms of we created them. But most of ChangeLog News is a point in a way, you know. So it's not that we just want people talking about our content, although that's part of it as well. But we want people to talk about, you know, we want to foster a community where people converse and discuss. And hey, here's the stuff that we're putting in the news feed. Discuss that, you know. So I think that was a goal. I think um, getting people habitually returning to changelog.com, you know, a lot of our listeners don't know we have a website or they only get changelog weekly, you know, and they just listen to the episodes that they click through or whatever. And just having like that, creating a habit of using changelog.com more, I think was something that we were after for folks. What else? What else do we add comments for?
1: Well, I think I think very similar to what you're talking about. Just, just enabling the opportunity for. Not so much like that everything could be or needed discussion. I think it's uh, to give people a place to have a discussion if necessary. And I think if we look down the newsfeed, like 5% maybe even less of anything we post has comments or discussion so i would say you know when e- either it's an under you know an under promoted or under visually aware feature and people don't know it exists or there just isn't uh, a need for the interaction i think the reason for the comments though was just what you said like especially with the podcast episodes where the guest we have or guests in some cases they get automatically notified if there is a comment so essentially giving somebody you know our audience essentially the ability to go back to the item itself and thank that person or share their note or yeah. their appreciation or maybe even their feature request in some cases you mm-hmm. know it depends and to enable that uh you know that conversation to happen i think in practice However, it uh it hasn't it hasn't occurred quite as often. Uh, there has been some threads where it's like, you know, 10, 15, 20 yeah. comments deep. So so it's like, you know, and some of those conversations have been really great. So do you like kill the whole idea to never have that 1 or 2% of content get commented on and discussion happen? Also, because we have an open Slack community that's free to join. I think a lot of the conversation ends up happening in a like-minded atmosphere like Slack even, and less so on Twitter. We even have a lot more of the conversation that happens elsewhere, or at least around the content, in Twitter or yeah. on Slack and less on our site. And so maybe it's just more like, hey, if you want to have a conversation around this, you should be in you know the main channel on Slack or hit us up on Twitter. And yeah. there you go. I almost feel... <laughs> from a code no code deletion of code satisfaction <laughs> level maybe you know, i just want to delete be, some code
0: i mean that's always fun yeah yeah so, so i mean that's would, like a a present reality like is what you're saying is that a lot of the conversation happens elsewhere right you know and it's like kind of like uphill battle to be like well please comment here and they're like well i'm talking to you in slack why would i want to go talk to you in a comment form right you know, and i get that like well we're 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 available there's a lot of discussion that happens in our Slack. Uh, GoTime specifically, like GoTime FM on the Gopher Slack is a very active channel in that Slack about GoTime and the topics, you know, the conversations that are had on the show, follow-up, disagreements, et cetera, happen mm-hmm. in that channel. I mean, 100, I mean, way too many comments. 8, 8,220
1: people in the GoTime FM channel on Gopher Slack.
0: Yeah. So there's that. Then, like you said, Twitter is an obvious place where people converse. And the reason why I say it's becoming more headache than, um, or I say more mental overhead than value yeah. for me, is because of moderation. Because <sighs> people just say things, and I'm like, "Are you serious? You know." Mm-hmm. Where it's like, so we have moderation. To, so yeah. we had to build some tools. Like, like I said, we're investing in this, building some tools, you know, everybody. Now spammers have been a problem, of course, because you add more forms to your website and here come the spammers. So one thing that's nice is like, if if there's three people on a show, me, you, and our guest, who was our most recent guest, Daniel Stenberg. Mm-hmm. We all, all get, we get subscribed to that conversation because we're on the show. Makes sense. So if you have a question for Daniel, hit him up. Well, every once in a a while a spammer would hit that form and it would email our guest and be like, Hey, new comment on your changelog episode. And it's like, Bye, Viagra, or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. That's, well, that's the embarrassing. Movie. Yeah, that's embarrassing for us. Yeah. So we had to build in moderation tools so that doesn't happen. And so everybody's first comment has to be approved before any of your comments will be published, stuff like that. So we, we get the, that gives me peace of mind. I'm not going to be embarrassed. You know, I'm not going to have a bunch of spammers on the site. They can fill out the form, but it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but they aren't even the, the quote unquote problem. It's like regular people, like every time I get an email, like there's a new comment on an episode or something, I just get a little bit nervous to read it. Do you, where I'm like, I hope this is quality. I hope this is nice. And it's not yeah. like they aren't mostly that way, but there's just enough where you're just like, Oh, I hope this isn't a jerk. Well, I would say that it's infrequent
1: enough that I get excited regardless
0: you get excited every time yeah well there's a um
1: yeah I'm, I'm describing my, my <laughs> layers of excitement the layers of excitement It happens infrequent enough that I get excited regardless of false positive or not because it's infrequent so I'm like yes there's an opportunity here to engage and uh, you know and I go there and I'm like oh Bummer. It's uh, somebody cussing for some reason <laughs> yeah. or just like ragging on whatever it might be. or Whatever it is, you know? Not being, what's the term that we kind of moderated this most recent one on? It was professional. It was, yeah, it was other. So we have examples of unbehavior or unacceptable behavior by participants. And uh, I won't read the whole list. You can go to changel.com slash coc. Because we, de- we do have a code of conduct. We, we do think that those are valuable in communities, at least to set an expectation level. Even if somebody doesn't follow it, it gives an example of what is desired and expected, which is clear and clarity, which I believe in. It says other conduct which could be reasonably be considered inappropriate in a professional setting. So would you be on, uh, would you be in the audience as someone is giving a talk at a conference and start cussing at them? Probably not. Or even just yelling at them, even right. if it's true. Right. Probably not. That's, that's inappropriate and not professional.
0: Yeah. So these things happen, you know, and it's just kind of like, there's an old saying that's like, there's two kinds of crazy. Let me see if I can look that up. Have you heard that one? No, I'm excited to hear about it though. Let me look it up because I want to get it right. Cause it's funny how they actually say it. Maybe that's not the way it goes. I'm seeing a reference to two kinds of dumb. Mm, I might have to switch off DuckDuckGo and go to Google. I do this very rarely. I'm not trusting DuckDuckGo in this circumstance because I feel like I should be hitting this. It's probably just me. I'm always the problem. I don't deal with God. Not...
1: A little aside if this makes the airtime, there was a movie a while back called Hoosiers, H-O-O-S-I-E-R-S, H-O-O-S-S-I-E-R-S, 1986. This could be a reference, two kinds of dumb, a uh, guy that gets naked and runs out in the that's snow it. and barks at the that's moon, it. and a uh, guy that does the same thing in my living room,
0: first one doesn't matter, the second one you're kind of forced to deal with. That's right. So it is two kinds of dumb. For some I was thinking it was two kinds of crazy, because I thought like Hoosiers. the person, the person, yeah, Hoosiers. Yeah. I thought someone nice. who gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon is uh, crazy, not really dumb. Yeah,
1: I don't know why the reference goes back to dumb, but I would call that crazy.
0: Yeah, like that that. person seems like they have mental problems. Anyways, so that's, thank you, that's exactly what I was looking for. It's like the one that happens in your yard. You know? Like, that's your problem. And even when there's a a distinction, like we get spam comments on our YouTube stuff. I don't really care. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll go there and I'll delete them and stuff, but they don't give me anxiety. And people say mean things on Twitter all the time. And even about our shows. I mean, there was a... There was a very unkind statement about the recent episode of Go Time with Bill Kennedy. And there's been a lot of high quality statements about that show, by the way, the design philosophy episode of Go Time. I thought it was very good, but somebody just didn't like the way Bill came off. And they just said a very mean thing about him on Twitter. And I was like, that's mean, but I don't have to deal with it as much. Like I can say that's mean, but I don't feel like it's on me to like moderate that content. You know what I'm saying? Like the, our website, to me, it just feels like, ah, oh, this is, uh, so that's, that gets me to the point where I think, well, yeah. what does success I'm look like? With success you looks you. like a lot of people, right? Yeah. And I look at the comments like, okay, well, if we had like Hacker News level commentary, which is hundreds of comments per item there, right? Or Reddit level commentary. I mean, those threads are often a dumpster fire. And it's like all those dumpster fires would be in our backyard, and we'd be having to deal with it. Like even success to me sounds like I don't actually want that to happen. <laughs> I would not. I see. Okay.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm trying like, with you now.
0: Like well, what so you're so that's why for me success is like a small amount of high quality, like just the smart, nice, kind, a- a- additive commentary just happens on our website. I would love that, and you know, ninety nine percent of our audience and our listeners and the people who interacted with us with us are that. They're smart, they're kind, they're thoughtful, etc. But like the one percenters are still in our yard. And it's kind of like that thing where, um, you know, people can say 10 nice things to you or about you and it feels like, okay. And then one mean thing about you and it like destroys your day. Like where we focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. That even though these... Low, let's just call them low-quality comments, are infrequent. It's enough that it gives me ongoing anxiety about it. I understand your perspective
1: much more now because you're absolutely right. The negative commentary on Twitter, you don't feel compelled to have to deal with. It may still impact you similarly, but you don't feel like you have to moderate it and deal with it. And I can say when it does happen, and we have to even enforce a code of conduct thankfully it's on something so simple and not something Uh much worse i'm thankful for that because that's the reason for code of conduct to set that expectation and to have a place to come from when defending someone else's harassment rights or you know privacy rights or whatever might be infringed upon but you know it's a chore to have to moderate and i would say like when I write out any of my job description here, which is I'm the janitor and lots of different things. Like I'm, I'm I'm fine. I take out the garbage. No big deal. Right. right, I do a lot of stuff, same as you. And so my list of things I do is vast and many. The one I don't want on there is moderator of negative comments in our comments and enforcing code of conduct when it's, I just don't want to have to do it. Nobody does. And so if I had my rathers of how to have a winning day you know, moderating comments and pushing back and having to explain the discrepancies of the infringements, et cetera, is just something I'd rather not have to do. So I'm kind of with you then. And I'd rather yeah. if someone's going to bark at the moon, you know, out out yonder. But then if you're going to do it in my living room, I'm going to have to deal with it. So I'm I'm with you It because success will eventually lead to that. Because if we you take any comment percentage, there's a certain percentage always that's going to be in that have to deal with code of conduct moderation aspect and mm-hmm. you know I don't
0: what's funny is like this is the reason why all of the people took the comments off their website all those years ago and mm-hmm. we were just like nah it's not going to be a problem that we're going to yeah, have yeah power right? on you. close comments
1: or comments are closed now you know the, the commentary yeah. that was there is still there but maybe now they're closed yeah and even with
0: like now that the changing rule, I mean section 230 in the United States is under you know extreme scrutiny there's pol- you know politicians are getting involved there's free speech debates, right? And censorship debates. And there's all this stuff around basically user-generated content on websites, you know? And how Twitter handles it and how Facebook handles it and how The Verge and Vox Media handles it on there. Like these are all things that are becoming kind of political firestorms as well. That makes me think, stay away from far that from as far away as we could get, you know? Give but it, it's a breakdown it of
1: the section 230 just to kind of give context or as much give us a layman's version well ver- i am ver- I ver- not a lawyer
0: yeah it's a specific rule in the i think it's the fcc the federal communications i'm not sure which um jurisdiction which you know governmental organization oversees it but it's a, it's a specific statute which allows websites um to to host third party content without being the publishers of said content, so uh, maybe a paraphrase
1: version, at least based yeah. on Cornell Law, is protection for private blocking and screening, which is censorship or or you know, you know, hiding it of offensive material.
0: Right. So if somebody came on our website and they put some offense like hate speech into our comment section, right? We are, as long as we do some sort of like due diligence around moderation, et cetera, we do something. We do not have to be considered the publishers of that content. So, without 230 altogether, you really couldn't have user generated content because everything on my website would be owned by me and I would be on the hook for it. Mm -hmm. But 230 allows that. And yet, it's problematic for, you know, there's debates around this. I don't understand the law very well, as you can tell with the way I describe it. To even know what my thoughts are on it, you know, what's wrong with it, what could be fixed. There's people that want to get rid of 230, they want to rewrite 230, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure there's lobbyists on both sides. The point is, is like these concerns, especially around the political climate in the states and speech laws and all that have become, they brought like comment moderation or content moderation to the forefront of like political debate. Yeah. And it just makes me sick of it all. I'm just like, ah. Here on anyway, the
1: EFF it. website, a very credible resource yeah. says section 230 says that in quotes, no matter, or sorry, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider, end quote. And it says, in other words, online intermediaries, i.e. Twitter, Facebook, probably all the places we know we, Commune online, Reddit, YouTube. Hacker News, even. Yeah. Uh, these online media that host or republish speech are protected against a range of laws that might otherwise be used to hold them legally responsible for what others say and do.
0: Yeah, exactly. So and if you having are having comments YouTube, essentially
1: put you in this bucket.
0: Yeah. Like, say, YouTube, you know, somebody goes on a YouTube thread yeah. and they threaten violence against somebody else. Well, without 230, YouTube is actually on the hook for that. And like, that's a huge offense, right? So with 230, which I think was written a long time ago. Like, was it a telecommunications act or something? It's an old statute.
1: 1995,
0: I think. Oh, 95. What? I'm pretty oh. sure that's what it was. So that wouldn't be telecommunications. That would be internet related. But still, how old is that? That's 25 years ago. Well, it's from the years ago.
1: Communications Decency Act of 1996. Okay. Formally codified as Section Two Thirty of the Communications Act of nineteen okay. so thirty four. Okay, that's the old one I was thinking yes. of. Blah, blah blah
0: blah. Yeah, so nineteen thirty four came out, and then in ninety six they probably rejiggered it so that they could have, you know, the internet as a known entity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, you're twenty six years ago, uh, and anyway, so
1: that's evil. anyways. Near the birth of the internet, I mean, like it's so close. It wasn't mm-hmm. exactly then, but it's so early days of the internet. It's not the same yeah. as it was. We just talked about that with Daniel. Yeah, came out in nineteen ninety eight, mm. March uh, twentieth, nineteen ninety eight. Very different internet then. You know, it's not the same.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, I'm, I'm that was what know. I thought we would talk about. I mean, I don't think we'd make a decision here on backstage, but I thought it'd be a good conversation because we, we haven't make a decision right now. Oh, you think so?
1: I mean, uh, I think I never, you know, so I would say I never considered that comments on a website like that. Obviously, it's user-generated content, and it's up for grabs what you get from that. I never sure. considered the connection of that for us to law, I suppose. I, obviously, it makes sense. It's, it's That makes sense. It should it's a rational well, that, connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never considered, you know, with just the dumpster fire that comments can be. And this idea that, you know, success, which we want it to be successful, a successful feature. right? Uh, success is actually not a good, it's probably less of a good thing. I'd, I'd almost rather those, then I, get, I guess then if you go is, so as far to say, does our,
0: open slack have concerns well that's what's interesting is because i feel like we have less of a problem in slack because maybe we people less of a know problem. that you know you're right there reading this i mean we have had a couple it's of problems, a possibility though we had you know, a couple of um they're not like code of conduct violations but they're kind of like is this cool here and most of it's around self-promotion yeah. you know and people have asked that in our channel and they'll promote something and so that's kind of dealing a little bit with like moderation because yeah but really it's just like saying yeah it's not that cool here and what we tell Mm -hmm. them which i stole from reddit i liked it on reddit there's a saying they have on reddit which is it's totally fine to be a redditor with a website but it's not okay to be a website with a reddit account and that's around self-promotion and i like that like that does describe it pretty well
1: you Mm -hmm. know like
0: i don't have a problem with people sharing cool stuff they're working on and stuff like that's part of what we do but don't just hop into our Slack channel and be like, hey, boom, promoting, right? Like, that's not cool. Cause that's, that's not a community. That's like a, this isn't a billboard or even a cork board at a conference mm-hmm. where you can just, unless we say, hey, everybody share. I mean, one time I said, hey, everybody share their blogs and I'll subscribe to them. And then people shared their blogs. Totally cool. But unsolicited self promotion, like if you've been hanging out and part of the channel and stuff and you got something going on, Heck yeah, put it in there. So that's what I've been telling people. And that usually, mm-hmm. I think, makes sense. Is like, if you're, if you're merely here to promote something, it's not cool. But if you're here in part of the community and you also have something to promote, go ahead. That's been a little bit of moderation, you know, or setting ground rules for like what is, but aside from that, our Slack is like pretty cool. I, I don't have any anxiety around what's said or done there. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Compared to comments. I don't know if it's like, because in a comment form, you like enter it and hit send and then like move on with your life. Um, or you feel less connected to the people on the other side where with Slack, because it is real time, you're like, oh, this person's going to reply right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know what changes that, but it definitely feels less problematic. I mean, in terms of law and stuff, it's not a public, it's a private channel. Right.
1: Uh, True, you have to have, uh, you know, that would probably even fall in line with, you know, another organization with a much bigger legal budget than we do, which is Slack, to step in as necessary. Like if we were under scrutiny and we were allowing behaviors, then we would probably, you know, be exposed to some degree. But if we're, you know, if we're pushing back on things being said in our Slack and we have some issues because it's on Slack to their platform, they would probably... Have the it would go to, to Slack. Yeah, yeah exactly. and
0: honestly, if 230 was abolished, we would just remove comments immediately and be done with it. Like, that would be the way out. It's like, well, easy choice for us because they aren't mm-hmm. huge value, but, but what would Twitter do? You know, what would these, these sites who have just massively user-generated, I mean, Twitter is user-generated completely. And so what do they do in those contexts? Well, that's why they have lawyers and lobbyists and that's why they're working on, you know, (laughs) influencing the politicians in this way or that and talking with Congress and stuff so that they understand the situation that these huge platforms are in. I do not envy their position whatsoever. No, we're
1: never going to hire one or many attorneys or lobbyists to speak to congress on our behalf to have comments <laughs> was, or the right gonna, to do so we're just not gonna at least at this juncture i mean we're just not gonna i was gonna it.
0: say i was gonna call you out on the on the yeah, never sorry. thing but i might be with you on that one that seems like something that we wouldn't do um <laughs> i mean that's a, a topic for a different conversation is yeah. speaking in absolutes
1: that is a topic i i have a a habit of speaking in absolutes you do when feeling very strongly about a direction <laughs> <laughs> right. When I feel very strongly that I'm never gonna go back from that position, yeah, I'm happy put to it out explain there. and put it out there. But I have backpedaled. But you know, as a right as a human being, I can change my mind. Uh I should just be a little little more uh little more uh careful, I suppose, with how I state my absolutes.
0: Well, let's ask the listener. So what do you think? Should we get rid of comments? Let us know in the comments section. <laughs> that's hilarious Uh, and if you get there and it's gone it's because we've already already made the call but uh, we do like to hear from our listeners don't don't get me wrong we absolutely do my closing thought on that though is that I think we get I think the value
1: ratio is skewed towards lower value on keeping them personally Mm -hmm. I don't think we get a lot of value from them currently it's more like a nice to have not a need to have So if we were axing features or deleting code because, hey, that feels good. And two, we don't need it anymore. I think that that would be a decent place to begin because there's opportunity to. It's not we're closing off the ability to comment or to have a conversation. It's in this particular way. Exactly. Email us, editors at changelog.com. Come into our open Slack, changelog.com slash community. Hit us up on Twitter at changelog. You know, many different opportunities to have conversations. Right. I'm down with it. You know, all right. Delete the code. All right, that's it for Backstage. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, let us know in the comments what you think about us getting rid of comments. What do you think about comments when it comes to sites like ours? Should we keep them? Should we throw them? What should we do? Help us by telling us your thoughts. Hey, leave a comment. If that's what makes you happy. And if that's not there by the time you listen to this, uh, I guess email us, editors at changelog.com. We're also on Twitter, as you know, at changelog. And let us know your thoughts on Clubhouse, too. We want to know about that as well. I mean, just because we have this ABR, always-be-recording mindset, given what we do and all that good stuff, doesn't mean it's not a feature away for the platform or a feature away for spaces. You know, We're just sort of stuck in our ways, I suppose, in terms of producing awesome shows and hopefully getting listeners. But hey, I digress. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.